Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simul Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simulglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. This is episode 27 of the Awesomers.com podcast. As always, you can find show notes available at Awesomers.com slash 27. That's Awesomers.com backslash 27. Today, my special guest is Casey Goss, which is a great example of an entrepreneur breaking out of normie land, uh, dropping out of college, and jumping into the e-commerce world. Now, Casey was the co-founder of Viral Launch, which was a platform built and designed as a software as a service platform to help Amazon sellers source, launch, and dominate on Amazon.com in the Amazon marketplace to be more precise. So these are all third-party sellers. I was fortunate enough to meet Casey way back in the old days when he had just began and I really saw what wonderful potential this young fella had. And he's a brilliant guy regardless of his age, certainly wisdom beyond his years. And his quest for analytics and for measurement and performance is consistently above average for sure. That's what makes him awesomer. Successfully, his company's performed over 30,000 product launches with 7,000 plus brands that are responsible cumulatively for billions of dollars in sales on Amazon. They've helped multiple products achieve number one bestseller in their top level category on Amazon, which is a great achievement. And fundamentally, he has built this company, which is a, a size at least of, you know, somewhere between 48 and 58 people at this point. And he's brought together extremely talented developers and creative people and coaches and now management as well. So it's a real great pleasure to have Casey on the show today. Welcome back, Awesomers. Here we are again talking about uh, all things awesome. And uh, uh, today I have a very special guest, uh, Casey Gauss. Uh, how are you, Casey? I am doing wonderful, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. <laughs> Definitely my pleasure. Help me pronounce your last name. I don't know that I've ever gotten it right. Yeah, uh, you're close. So it's Goss, like uh, boss or sauce. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a new spelling for that, but no, that's fine. I digress. Uh, no. So thank you again for joining us. So uh, for everybody out there, um, you know, we gave a little intro already, but uh, Casey, you know, kind of founded and, and I believe is the CEO of Viral Launch. And this is a, a company that helps Amazon sellers kind of uh, advance their business. But Casey, maybe you could share a little bit more in detail about what you guys do and, and uh, what, what your claim to fame is at Viral Launch. 
Yeah, yeah. So at the heart of it, we are just focused on helping to build some of the most successful brands on Amazon through software largely. So, you know, to date, we've worked with a little over 10,000 brands, run over 35,000 product launches. And these brands consist of, you know, people just looking to make some extra money online, making, you know, a couple extra thousand dollars a month to our largest private label client did over a hundred million last year in 2017. And now we also work with some major brands as well. So some Fortune 500s, some, uh, a Fortune 100 as well. And, you know, we have software, we have services, again, just focus on helping these guys succeed. So whether that be with optimizing their listing, we have five people in-house that just write listings or product photography or software to help drive keyword ranking or software to help you find what is the next product to sell and kind of everything in between. Yeah, and again, the the thing that I really respect and have followed along and, and admire is the fact that you guys continue to iterate, and and with each generation of uh, your your company, you know, and and generations are counted kind of in every quarter is like a new generation because right. there's more software coming and there's more uh, advanced capabilities. What's the most recent, uh, you know, kind of uh, crown that you've added to the or or uh, gem in the crown that you've added? Yeah, so the last quarter was all about optimization as we are about to go through a huge growth phase. So last quarter, we launched a, well, actually, it was at the tail end of Q1, uh, a keyword tool. Um, so basically what we're able to do is find tons and tons of what we call vertical keywords. So uh, just a large breadth of keywords, but also have it really boiled down so that you're not spending hours you know, trying to find what words are relevant, what words aren't relevant, and then prioritizing it from there. And then actually in, in last quarter, we, we added, it's a small feature, but uh, a listing builder that, that helps you build the, uh, you know, best listings for your product. And we help sellers understand, you know, should I put this in the title versus the bullet points and so forth. And so we, we just try to make that process a little more data-driven for customers and to help them, you know, uh, work through that a little more efficiently. Yeah, and so again, for everybody's benefit, obviously, you know, being optimized on Amazon is a very important thing, especially if you're Amazon centric or even you know have a significant Amazon pre uh, presence. But these, these some of these uh, functions, in my view, knowing what good products to pick, I think your what your product is called market intelligence. Is that right? Yep, and then product discovery helps you to find which products market intelligence is the data around those markets. So that's really, you know, kind of Amazon centric. But once you pick a good product, that probably has relevance in other marketplaces. Also building listings, that has relevance in other marketplaces, in my view, because the, the same core philosophies about using the right keywords and being relevant and all of those various things, you know, finding a product that people care about, number one, and then optimizing it to, so that people can find it. These are basic premise that work on any marketplace, in my view. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think that, you know, I have a limited perspective in these other marketplaces. We are 100% focused on Amazon. Reason, reason being is, if you look at the breakdown of e-commerce sales, in 2017, it was 43, more than 43% on Amazon. And then second place was eBay with 6.8%. And then tied for third place was Apple and Walmart with 3.6%. So like, you know, from an opportunity cost standpoint, it does not make sense for us to focus outside of Amazon, at least for now. Sure, so. sure. I think that's, uh, you know, no, no worries about having a very precise focus. Uh, not, not in the least uh, from my standpoint, there are many 
uh, folks, awesomers and e-commerce guys out there who already have their own brands or they're selling on their own sites or other places. And my main yeah, point yeah. is that the, the basics of optimization, relevance, et cetera, are relevant uh, or are applicable to any anything that you do. So uh, before we kind of dive in uh, a little bit about your origin story, I, I wonder if you could just tell us maybe what what's a common problem that you see uh, the clients show up to viral launch with what, what, what's a very common scenario that they show up with and that you're able to help them solve. So the common and most impactful issue is people just having wrong products for their goals and their resources, essentially. So, you know, I continue to believe that product selection is the number one make or break decision. Uh, this is specifically or maybe largely for the seller that is just looking to make some good additional income through Amazon. And at that point, you know, you probably don't have that big of a budget. You probably don't have an existing brand. More or less, you're just looking for a product that can, you know, cash flow some good money. In which case, product selection is, you know, everything. You know, having the right product makes everything so much easier. So we we have uh, tools, as you had mentioned, that can help you to identify those products, help you to validate that that market is actually a good market for you. Um, and so, yeah, like that's something that I cannot stress uh, enough. Whether you use Fire Launch or not. Yeah, boy, again, very, very uh, sage wisdom. Hey, how about picking the right product that has a good opportunity that matches your expectations? Good advice. 100%. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, this is Parsimony ERP, and we get one question over and over. Can you please tell me exactly what Parsimony does? Well, we'll try, but this is only a 30-second spot, so we're going to have to hurry. Connect to your Seller Central account and pull all the new orders. Enter the orders with all customer data. Enter all of the Amazon fees and charges. Store them at the item level. Generate profit and loss reports at the SKU level. Automatically generate income statements. Handle multiple companies. Handle multiple brands. Handle multiple currencies. Facilitate budgets and forecasts. Store all customer interactions in a sophisticated CRM system. Manage your supply chain. Project and task management. Maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com, parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. All right, we're back again, and today we're going to dive into Casey's backstory because I like to pry and I like to know where people come from because the, the origin stories are so varied and so interesting to me, and I think they're interesting to other people too. So Casey, let's begin at the very beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Fort Polk, Louisiana, in a military base. My dad was in the army, actually. Oh, how about that? Uh, <laughs> an army brat, uh, kind of like me. And so that answers what your dad did back in the day. Uh, how about your mom? Did she work? What, what... Uh, so that was only for a few years. My dad ended up having kind of the rags to riches. You know, we grew up in a trailer on my dad's side, and uh, he got uh, he put himself through school. Well, actually, the army put him through school and he got an engineering degree. So he ended up being a mechanical engineer. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, my parents divorced at the age of three. My mom, on the other hand, has kind of been one of those job hoppers. So, uh, you know, she didn't go to college. And so she was a hairdresser for a while. Then, you know, was a manager at McDonald's when I was in high school and worked at McDonald's. So that was actually a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, she, you know, kind of moves all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah, not uncommon to have kind of a wide background. I think my mom also went to beauty school when I was just nice. a, a baby and uh, uh, cut hair for some uh, some period of time after that. Um, how about any siblings? Yeah, I so I have five brothers and two sisters. Um, but oh, that's pretty good score. That's now is that eight total or seven total? 
uh, eight total. So, eight but total it's, it, yeah. So again, my parents are divorced. So like I have one full sibling, which is, yeah, I'm the oldest. So I have one full sibling. I have two half sisters on my mom's side and they each have different dads. <laughs> and then on my dad's side, I have four adopted brothers. So yeah. Nice. All right. That's uh, boy, it, you know, uh, it definitely a modern family for sure. Uh, and <laughs> just so you know, uh, not that we're keeping score, but I, I'm edging you out by one. I'm the oldest of nine kids total. So oh, uh, nice, nice. just a bit outside there, Casey. <laughs> um, now, how about university for yourself? Did you go to university? I did for a couple of years. I studied business at, and ran track at the small Christian college in Indiana. Uh, I ended up dropping out midway through my junior year. I taught myself how to code and I was building uh, iOS apps around a new technology called iBeacon at the time. Mm, iBeacon, that was uh, like store location interior stuff, uh, was it not? Yep, contextually aware, like, you know, Bluetooth 4.0 devices so you could tell someone's proximity to uh, a location or something like that, yeah. Fascinating. And now when you dropped out of college, is it because you saw some big opportunity in these uh, the apps that you were making? Yeah, in the in iBeacon, you know, it was this new wave that was supposed to blow up, uh, didn't really blow up. And so uh, in the meantime, uh, well, but also I am someone that is really passionate about learning. And I felt like I wasn't learning the right things or learning much at all in college. So I was learning so much more in my own studying and teaching myself how to code, trying to start this business. So I felt like I was kind of wasting my time. Yeah, no, I feel you. Uh, you made it far past me. I made it only one semester. So, uh, <laughs> oh wow, for sticking it out. <laughs> um, so when you know you kind of inferred that the experience itself was not um, perfect for you and your learning uh, kind of uh, preferences, how would you characterize the experience overall? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did, you know, any any feelings you care to share about that? Uh, the experience of college or yeah. the after? Okay, yeah. yeah. So college. Um, so growing up, it was kind of rough, uh, you know, so we moved around a lot cause my mom didn't have money and we were kind of evicted or, you know, she had multiple cars like, so home and there's like a lot of other things. And so home was a very uncomfortable place and, but college was super comfortable and, you know, there's lots of food and it, like, it was a really awesome experience. And, um, but, and I grew up a lot my freshman year and I was running track. So, you know, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but then by the time I was a sophomore and then into my junior year, I was a lot more ambitious than what the, you know, the school's program or whatever had for me. And so I was, you know, definitely ready to leave at that point. Yeah, that's a uh, boy. It definitely sounds like you went through a, uh, like a whole uh, growing up period. <laughs> in the I did. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and how about, uh, what did you have a first proper job? You know, uh, uh, you inferred maybe McDonald's was uh, in that hunt somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So my only real job was McDonald's and that was through high school and uh, one summer after college. And it was so much fun. All the, uh, you know, athletes, uh, quote unquote, athletes at my school worked at McDonald's. So it was, you know, me and a bunch of friends, my, my brother worked there. One of my sisters worked there at, for a while. My mom was a manager there. So it was just a ton of fun. We, we got to mess around a lot, but we were also really good at our job. So that was, that was my only job. Well, that's a, that's a fun story. So let, let's talk about kind of from that point, uh, maybe when you dropped out of college, maybe you're, you're even still working at McDonald's. What was the defining moment that kind of, uh, if you can pin one down, maybe there's a couple of them, I don't know, that puts yeah. you on the road to where you are today? Yeah. So in terms of putting myself on the road, it was more or less, you know, these 
really late nights that I would pull teaching myself how to code and just really reading everything I could get my hands on in terms of business and just, you know, really trying that really helped set me up for success. And then in terms of the turning point was when my viral launch co-founder, so I actually started with another guy, Steve, I don't know if you, I remember uh, just vaguely because I talked to you not long after you yeah. started the company, but carry on. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sorry. I forgot. Uh, so anyways, um, I wasn't the originator of the idea for Viral Launch. And so that was really the turning point. I was going through this really tough time where, you know, my brother and I had moved to Indiana off of money. Uh, he had saved up delivering pizzas. And so we didn't really have much money. My girlfriend at the time was kind of like paying for groceries. Uh, part part of the, the founding story is, you know, I built Viral Launch with socks on my hands because my brother and I couldn't afford heat in our apartment. And it was so cold that I literally couldn't type. And so one of the hacks for typing when it's cold is, is cutting some holes in socks. And so you can poke your fingers through. So anyways. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's take note of that, everybody. If you haven't uh, <laughs> had the power cut off or are not wanting to use the power and, and programmed in your, your socks that have been converted to gloves, then you just <laughs> haven't lived. Yeah. Very impressive. Yep. Yeah. Then you, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, anyways, it was, I think in my mind, something that really caught my attention because my co-founder, more or less, you know, I didn't understand Amazon, especially third-party Amazon. And, you know, my, my co-founder just had pitched it to me that we could make an extra $10,000 a month selling or by building these websites. And I was like, okay, easy enough. I can put these websites up, you know, in a couple of days and yeah, I'll just more or less follow your direction. And hopefully this will be some good side money for me while I focus on my iBeacon thing. And probably month two or so we had month two or three, we had made like five or $6,000. And I was like, Oh wow. You know, this is like actually something we could really be making money here. Um, and I was really proud of this thing. Like I had tried some other things in the past and then, you know, never really got off the ground. And so this was the first thing that like, you know, actually had some kind of traction. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it was that click moment for me in my mind that, yeah, it was really a mind, mind set, mindset shift. I like that. <laughs> uh, we are going to coin a new phrase there. You got a mindset happening. Uh, the, the reality is, you know, the, the fact that you're able to, you know, kind of lean into that opportunity, even though you, it sounds like you were skeptical about it. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You know, if you don't know anything about Amazon and, and your friend who's a couple of years younger than you, like says you could make $10,000 a month just by throwing up these websites, you might, you might be skeptical yourself, you know? Yeah. And by the way, if I'm not mistaken, at the time you were around 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. so you're listening to a 19 year old, two, two, two yep. more or less teenagers are hatching a scheme. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and here it's turned into a, a very nice business with, uh, my guess is that you guys have probably, you know, dozens of employees, probably 40 or more employees yeah. at this stage. Yep. O almost 50. And we're about to hire, you know, 15 to 20 right now. So there you go. And yeah. uh, I love that. So we are definitely a defining moment is taking that chance uh, and, and it, despite the skepticism, you know, pushing through because, you know, opportunity knocks it. Let's, let's figure out what, uh, if we're going to answer or not. So how Absolutely. about, give me, give me a big lesson maybe that you've learned on that journey from, from the time you, you guys started the business un, until today's uh, present day. Oh man, you know, I've learned so much. So one one thing that I'm really keen on right now, and I'm noticing kind of in the team as as well as myself, but so often 
do we have the ability, do we have the means and resources to achieve whatever our goal is or to, or to solve a problem that is inhibiting us from reaching our goal? And the reason we don't reach it is largely ourselves. We're not, we're not thinking about something in the right way. And there's been a number of times, whether it's an algorithm that we need to put together to complete a product, or it's you know, this team that we put together that isn't working out so well, or you know, what have you. But there, there's always some, some destination that we're trying to reach. And you know, for example, there's an algorithm that we were working on for one of our products, and we probably worked on it in a few different ways over the course of a month. And the tool was like ready to go save for this one algorithm. And what it took was not like getting other people on or like pushing harder, getting new data or anything like that. More or less, it was me stepping back and thinking from a first principles perspective, if we really thought about how to build the best algorithm or how to really solve this problem, barring any like uh, predispositions or, or any boxes that we put our minds into, how, how can we solve this? And it was like such a simple thing uh, that we had to like change up and it was something like once once we had that mindset shift it, it took one of our devs probably 40 minutes to put the first draft of the algorithm together and it was like amazing and so that 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 exact thing has happened just a number of times and in when i think about like my family and in some of the reasons why they're having the hardships that they do again it, it's like a mindset thing and uh yeah it, it's so encouraging to me because like that means that you have a lot of the resources that you need in order to get to that next step. You just you just aren't thinking about it, right? Um, and so, anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's one thing I'm super big on right now. I definitely uh, agree that you know it's often you know they, they, there's the old saying uh, you can't see the forest because of all the trees, right? And and this is right. So often when we get ourselves kind of stuck in that day to day grind, it's hard to fly up and. And, and take a fresh look at it. And I, you know, and I've had many of those cases where we spent, believe me, well more than a month of effort um, and just kind of banging our heads against the wall until we either said, uh, this isn't worth it or this isn't working or, you know, whatever the, the area is to break the rhythm and then fly out above it and then go, oh, holy crap, we just, we missed this obvious <laughs> solution. And you feel like an idiot at the time, but yep. uh, at least I do. And then but often I realize that's the dues to get to the solution. We had to get there, you know, however we had to get there. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I think as leaders, as CEOs, as entrepreneurs, it's our job, you know, if you have a team, I feel like more and more that's becoming my job, not to provide solutions, but help them to see the boxes that they're putting themselves in so that they can get to the solution so much easier than, you know, they, they originally thought it was. Boy, that uh, if there's ever a golden nugget uh, being flung around, that's one right there. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you that as a as a you know CEO for for many years now, too often uh, our our instinct is when somebody brings you the problem, we think we have to, del to deliver the solution, but really, you know, our framework should be how to solve problems, not solve every problem ourselves. And the more that we solve the problems for our team. So when somebody knocks on the door, hey, I've got this problem, you go, oh, just do this. You're, you're creating a, a permission-based problem for your, your company where everybody goes, oh, well, when I have a problem, I just go in there. He, he or she gives me the answer. And then I walk around without really any accountability because the boss gave the answer. What you want and what you'll find is the team will often come up with better sustainable solutions long-term than we can, but 
we should establish that framework to, to help them work through that problem. How are you finding that in your growth, uh, being able to support and develop that as your team is growing so rapidly? It's absolutely necessary because I can only be involved in so many functions of the business. And so, yeah, and it, it's, it's the saying, you know, uh, don't give a man a fish, uh, teach him to fish or whatever the saying is, right? Uh, uh, give him a fish, feed him for a day, teach him to fish, feed him for life, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, like I, that's something that I have the natural tendency to want to jump in and say like, oh, here's what I think, right? But I am trying to practice that like reserve uh, to be able to not talk so much, but just focus a lot more on listening and asking the right questions and helping them get to the answer. And, you know, I, I have, we've, we're, we're right now we're really focused on hiring, you know, executives into the team. And so we have a VP of customer success. She was COO of this, you know, 300 person company uh, before here. And she's amazing at that. And so I'm, I'm really trying to learn from her, some of the other people on the team uh, so that I can do a much better job of that because I'm always like, Oh, let, you know, let's just jump in and share ideas. And, and like you're, like you're saying um, that isn't sustainable. It is, it's a tough balance uh, because uh, many entrepreneurs, uh, myself included, were, you know, we became, we were tacticians to begin with. Uh, even Casey, in his example, he was a coder, right? He's coding stuff. But I, I can't imagine you're coding today. Is that right? Casey? No, 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 no. Yeah. So we have to evolve and we have to develop ourselves to be the best service for our organization. And it's not solving the tactical level problems day to day. It's empowering the people, given the, the resources, the, the other team members, you know, whatever is necessary to allow them to solve it and, and operate the company in an effective way. And believe it or not, in my experience, even though we're really great tacticians and technicians, uh, over time, the organization will often come up with a better solution than we could have anyway. And many times in things I wouldn't have ever thought of. So I, I'm sure you'll see that if you haven't already as you go. Yeah. Uh, how about, let, let me ask you this, you know, in, in all of this time, you know, you're programming where you got socks on your hands. Was there ever a time you just wanted to give up and, you know, whatever your options were, you know, go get a job at, back at McDonald's or, you know, whatever it was. Is there ever a time you just said, this is too much for me. I just need to step back and, and do something different. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that to some degree, I have that thought at least once a week, right? Sure. E even to this, even, even to this point, I mean, and I think natural, it's our natural tendency to, you know, it's fight or flight, right? And like flighting or, or running away from the problem always sounds or seems like a better solution. And the thing that I, I found at least that I need to do for myself is just train myself, like train myself to in that mode shift from flight to fight and say, you know, no, uh, you know, a solution can be had here or we can solve this problem. And then honing that energy and that like that, that, whatever that feeling is, whether it's, a, you know, a lack of self-worth self or it's a, a question of, am I the right person for this? Or is this worth it? Um, I mean, I, I think, is it worth it a little bit different? But regardless, like I had that question, I've had that question consistently since, you know, I started Bar Launch three and a half years ago. And so it's, it's definitely not something that I, at least in my experience, is ever going to go away. So you need to come up with these like strategies to, to cope with it. And for me, it's like, you know, this, this really sucks, but like I need to push through. And if you have any bit of success or traction, then like 
looking back on where you've come and being excited about that helps. I think Tim Ferriss is big on this, but looking at what is the worst case scenario. And I think that when I look at worst case scenario, it always makes me feel so, so much better because worst case, worst case scenario probably isn't bad. Not that bad. In some cases, it's not bad at all. Um, I know for me, I'm so focused on pushing uh, ahead and moving so quickly that I forget to pay attention to how well things are actually going. I'm only paying attention to how fast we're moving. And so anyways, those are, those are like my two biggest coping mechanisms. The first one is, is, is looking, or the best one is looking at worst case scenario, because it's probably not nearly, nearly as bad as you think it is. Yeah, that's quite right. Uh, Tim Ferriss in his book uh, for our uh, work week talked about this, this premise that, you know what, uh, you're afraid to do something, you're afraid to deal with something, wh whatever the case may be, just just imagine the worst case scenario, you know, just suss it all the way out to the end. And it's it's rarely as bad as as people make it out to be. And even if it is bad, it's like, eh, you can rebound still. Yep. Uh, so that's, I, I think, a very good coping mechanism. Also, the thing that works uh, for myself is we are, we're trying to get um, we're at the Awesomers, you know, kind of podcast in the community. We're trying to uh, encourage this idea of gratitude, right? And part of that gratitude starts with taking a victory lap every now and then. If we don't mark our milestones and go, gosh, this was a really good day when this happened. And that's, that's my next question for you, actually. Uh, give me a, an example of one of your best days in your professional life so far. Our best, what, uh, a recent one is, you know, we signed this Fortune 100, this huge deal with this Fortune 100, which was uh, the first of its kind. So that was, you know, incredible. Nice. Uh, that's very exciting. And now, did you guys do anything as a company to celebrate that? Did, you know, uh, in the old dot-com days, people go, they'd hire, you know, uh, Elton John and do a million-dollar party and things like that. What did you guys do? Uh, so I think we just had a happy hour at the office. And so we let people like at 3 p.m. or something, the happy hour started. And I gave like an opening speech like, hey, guys, you know, we're really killing it. We signed this deal, blah, blah, blah. So good. Yeah, yeah we, that's we, actually we, far we, more we, practical, by the way, than hiring Elton John. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a, a relatively frugal person, but we definitely try to celebrate the win. So tomorrow we're, we're, we're celebrating Q2. Uh, we're going to a Top Golf, and we're we're talking about Q3. Then also we have food or food there, and uh, just getting together with the team. Team cohesion is really big as well. So you, you, we get to kill a few birds with one stone there. Yeah, that's really fun to do, and it actually does help. Uh, you know, uh, encourage the culture of of you know kind of celebration, yet also accountability, because everybody knows that these fun events or lunches or whatever the case may be are on the back of accomplishment. And so everybody yeah. wants to drive that next accomplishment. Um, let me ask you this, uh, Casey. Now, notwithstanding, Viral Launch has its own suite of tools and so forth. And I'm going to set those to the side because uh, you're biased. But w is there another yeah. favorite tool that you have day-to-day -day that you couldn't, you know, you, you just couldn't or wouldn't want to carry on without um, uh, using this tool? It could be a, an app. It could be a a process could be anything, but just something day to day that you just can't live without. So I don't think this is, uh, well, probably my iPhone, if we wanted to really think about it. Uh, I live downtown. And so I commute on what is called a boosted board. It's like a motor electric uh, long board. And mm -hmm. so I, I don't have to worry about parking. It takes me two and a half minutes to get into the office. And it's also like a fun ride. So that has completely changed my life. I don't know how relevant that is. Um, and then outside of that, I have an assistant, so it's not, 
it's a tool of sorts. Uh, and she has completely changed uh, my life on the professional side and helped me to be so much more efficient, so much more effective on time and really allows me to focus on the things that I need to be focused on. And also like holds me accountable to make sure that I'm where I need to be, that I'm prepared for the most part, uh, as well as possible. So that has been a game changer for me. And that doesn't have to be somebody in an office that you're paying, you know, a huge salary to, you could get started with, you know, a VA to start working through some of your emails or, or whatever, to, just to simplify a lot of the, the noise in your life that isn't really worth you spending your time on. Yeah. Uh, very, very good advice. First of all, uh, uh, the longboard sounds really fun, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> it is. And, and now they're putting batteries basically on everything, bikes, longboards, surfboards. It's just about anything you can come up with. So I, I, I like this idea. Um, but I, it really can't be understated, the, the value of a, of a really good assistant to help manage your time. And this is the old philosophy of breaking down you know, the $10,000 an hour tasks versus the you know, $10 or $20 an hour tasks. And the, the reality is, too often we were like, oh, no, I'll just do my email myself or I'll just do the schedule myself. We, we take on too much. Uh, we think we're saving ourselves time or because I can do it better, whatever the mentality is. But once you kind of uh, get the system right and you understand how to, to manage that relationship correctly, that can be extraordinarily empowering. Do you find that, you, you know, that there's been a leverage point as a result of having a good assistant? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've I've had her over the, you know, if you're part of a fast growing company, then your responsibilities as a CEO will likely be changing, you know, month to month, every three months, every six months. And so she has really helped me to transition through those phases. And also, you know, I try to hire somebody that was quite a bit more experienced. So she had uh, been an EA for uh, a few executives at Angie's List in the past, for example. And so she has helped me level up in, you know, I didn't even know that I should be doing this or I shouldn't be spending my time on this. And she has that experience to know to, you know, be taking those things off my plate. So yeah, it's, it's, it. it's been incredible. That really is a, a good use case uh, story right there. So now we've laid some background. Uh, we're going to come back after this next break and we're going to talk about Casey's view of the future you won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Empowered. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, Casey, we're back, and this is the uh, the segment I like to call the crystal ball, and this is where uh -oh. you tell us all of the important things that are going to happen over the next five years, uh, just like you have a time machine and know what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but really, we're we're specifically interested in any predictions you have about you know your field of expertise, the Amazon marketplace or uh, e-commerce at large. A anything you wish to share? What's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, and we're seeing this happen. Uh, at an accelerating rate at this point. But I think more and more the Amazon marketplace specifically will become, will become more difficult to enter for new sellers as bigger players come in. Right now, you know, Amazon, assuming you have, you understand the tactics, it's all a function of how much money are you willing to spend. And right now the, the advantage is that the people with huge dollars, big brands, private equities, like, they, they don't 
know the success tactics, but they're, but they're interested and they're starting to learn. And so anyways, it will become more and more difficult to compete in the space with smaller budgets. So I, I think that there will largely be some kind of consolidation in the market for people that have uh, a lot of money for bigger brands, as well as manufacturers selling direct. And the, the reason manufacturers aren't a huge threat right now is because they don't understand the marketing side. But I think as technology helps to automate that process, as, as well as the manufacturers starting to realize the opportunity for them to sell directly, I think that it, it squeezes the third-party seller. Now, the advantage for the third-party seller is the you know, barriers to entry in markets, which tend to be review quantities. And so that's why I'm a huge proponent of going as hard as possible right now, because if you can build those barrier to entries, then as this consolidation continues, uh, you know, begins, accelerates, continues, whatever, uh, it will be more difficult for those guys to uh, impede on your territory, essentially. So um, I definitely see that happening. I think that just playing on Amazon will become uh, more, less efficient. Or, or more expensive, however you want to look at it, just as technology continues to improve and I guess lowers the competitive advantages of others. Like right now, it's the people that are really focused on the tactics uh, that are succeeding, but as technology kind of erodes that. Um, anyways, uh, so there is that. And I see, again, bigger brands really starting to take Amazon seriously. So for those in the Amazon space, I guess that is my relative prediction. There's a lot of questions I have as to, you know, it looks like Amazon is wanting to consolidate first party and third party. I don't know exactly what that means, but probably means more control for the big brands because, you know, these guys have very limited data. They don't, they don't get to see daily uh, sales reports. They don't get to see number of impressions on their listing. So they can't see conversion rate. Like the amount of data they have is sparse compared to third party sellers, which is very sparse as is. But anyways, as these guys get more data and more control, uh, it, again, it just amps up the, the competition. And so my pitch to you is go super hard uh, so that you have that barrier to entry and it's that much more difficult for people to, to enter your space. Yeah, time is uh, of the essence, everybody. I, I do think that that's a very uh, salient set of predictions there, which is um, it's, it's typical of any marketplace. It's gonna become more competitive. And as the opportunities continue to expand, the big brands are going to pay more and more attention. This is the same way they did on Google, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, where they weren't really paying attention to SEO. They weren't really paying attention to, to ranking or even advertising on Google for that matter. And over time, you've watched the, the cost per click go up. You've watched the competitive nature of SEO go up uh, and even change, you know, often people don't even think of it as SEO anymore. So that's inevitable to, to find those same types of big players with big budgets coming onto the Amazon marketplace. And, and this is, you know, a perfect time and a perfect opportunity for us to take advantage of the, the, the short-term tactical uh, set of options that we have and maximize those to the greatest extent possible. I think that's very good advice. Um, let me ask you this, Casey, uh, as, as we bring it to a close, any other words of wisdom that you have for, you know, e-commerce awesomers out there who are trying to figure out how to make their way in the world? Uh, it, kind of on the same point of just going as hard as possible. I think it's just really important to understand what you want out of life, what you want out of your current circumstances. Uh, because I see people that want to be able to have all this, you know, financial freedom, um, or, or they, they want to retire early on. And what 
ends up happening or what I've seen happen a number of times in the Amazon space specifically is they have these aspirations, but, but their actions don't really line up with them or like, you know, they're, they're, they get very complacent. And, and it's like, I think it's only appropriate to become complacent once you've reached whatever destination you're, you're hoping to reach. And, and I hope like complacency can be perceived as both a good thing as well as a bad thing. Like, I think it's important to focus on your happiness and what actually makes you happy um, and being comfortable with that, not necessarily focusing on more and more and more. Um, but anyways, just, just going back to like, be willing to put in the work to get to where you want to be, um, no more, no less, because it's the people that get to a good point, but not necessarily where they want to be that start to get complacent. And then they, they lose a lot of their opportunity or their, the low hanging fruit opportunity to get to where they want. Um, so yeah, I, guess. I think, again, very, very uh, sage wisdom, even coming from such a young fella. Uh, <laughs> but the, the reality is, you know, people often, they have these wants, uh, but the, the wants aren't needs. And so they, they will uh, just kind of uh, think about what they wish they had or what they aspire to get. But, you know, all of us, at least my general uh, advice and opinion is that, you know, we, we are where we are as a result of our actions or lack of actions. And, right, right, yeah. And that, that's, there's just no other way to say it. I'm a, I'm a very um, a big thinker when it comes to my personal individual responsibility is where it begins and ends. I can't blame anybody else. It's all on me. And the, in my experience, the more people will take that kind of individual you know, responsibility and accountability for their own uh, fortunes, defining their long-term why and what makes them actually happy. By the way, uh, spoiler alert, it's not just being filthy rich. I know plenty of guys who are literally billionaires. They're not that happy. Uh, not, there's probably a couple that are okay, but uh, money does not equal happiness. As as weird and as trite as that may sound, that's not the, the goal. Happiness comes from other things. So I, I think that's also very good advice. Nice, thanks. Uh, well, all right. Well, thank you, Casey. This has been very instructive and very helpful. Um, everybody's going to be able to find the, uh, you'll be able to go to the show notes and find the details about how to uh, look up Casey's company and, and follow him. I don't know if he's a, on Twitter or any of these other things, but we'll, we'll post any of those he shares with us and make sure that uh, people can kind of follow along uh, with his path, which is an exciting path indeed. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Steve. I, again, honored to be on here and just really appreciate everything that you're doing. Ah, believe me, I'm a big fan. Uh, we'll be right back, Awesomers, right after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Well, that was another fun episode of the Awesomers.com podcast. Casey is one of my favorite guys because he's just a fun guy to hang out with. Totally, totally passionate about entrepreneurs and helping others. And I just love the origin story aspect of this because it helps us reflect that, you know, uh, the, the guy was so passionate about programming and kind of developing his skills and building up. That he's he literally you know put socks on his hands and cut into finger holes and, and just carried on because they didn't have heat, and to to be able to go from that adverse position uh, without really knowing what was ahead that's a classic awesome or just kind of going I know 
that I'm passionate about this. I know that I love this. And, and really, regardless of the, the situation I'm in today, I know it can get better if I follow my dream. A truly inspiring story, as always, in these Awesomer origin stories. Don't forget, this was Awesomers.com episode 27. So you just go find the show notes at Awesomers.com slash 27. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.